Well, we're surely grateful for our opportunity to be here again this evening to worship the God of heaven. We have a good number out with us to do that. We're thankful for your presence. And uh, it's an exalted privilege to be together to praise our God and to draw closer to him in these acts of worship. God is richly blessing us in so many ways all the time, in ways probably that we don't think about much or recognize. Uh, I think in, in recent times especially, I've realized when there are tragedies in our country, and there are lots of them, that we're concerned about things, we're nervous and uh, troubled about a number of things, but I'm not sure we're as thankful for things as we ought to be. One of the things I think we need to be thankful for is law enforcement. When in this past week we had a horrible, tragic shooting up in the school in Nashville where a number of people lost their lives, including nine-year-old children, just unimaginable in the travesty of it, the horror of it. Uh, Words fail to describe how awful it would have been and was, certainly for the families involved, but for all of us. And then in the same week to have two officers shot in Huntsville who were trying to go about doing their work And we think about those things, we think about the tragedy of all of that, as well we should, and we should pray for those that are involved, definitely, especially for the loss of innocent lives. But I think also we should appreciate that God has ordained something that makes these events, as awful as they are, not as common as they otherwise would be, that's for sure. And in the case of the Nashville shooting, that would have been a whole lot worse had we not had responsible law enforcement officers to take charge of the situation. All of that is provided by the God of heaven. And I think we need to appreciate that, what he's done for us. And so I want to talk to you tonight about law enforcement from a biblical perspective somewhat. Well, completely really, I hope. (laughs) But in lieu of these tragedies and the role that law enforcement and civil government has in maintaining a civil society, I think that is worthy of being on our minds. Throughout the Bible narrative, the role of civil authorities is often on display in both domestic affairs and international relations as the Israelites deal with all sorts of problems without and within in the Old Testament. And then you come to the New Testament and you have uh, civil authorities all over the place, from Roman government to Jewish government to, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and constantly there's interaction between the people of God and the people who are uh, part of government. And as we see in the Scriptures, we see still today that misuse of power is common and it's exposed from Genesis to Revelation, 
but also we see principles of justice and equity that are laid down in Scripture that form really the foundation uh, of the better parts of even our legal system today. So God's purpose for civil law and his expectation that, that you and I should submit to it is also often expressed in Scripture. And that's really what we want to look at tonight. I want to zero in on Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. I think no passage is clearer on this subject than that, although there's a lot, as I said, in the Bible about what we'll be talking about tonight. So I just want to begin by reading this text carefully, uh, noticing what it says, and then we'll go through it sort of line by line in the rest of the lesson. Paul says, writing by inspiration, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. The authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Let's think about law enforcement, God's purpose and my duty. In this text, Paul is addressing the government and the authority of it and its rule of law in the New Testament age. And the government that was in charge of the civilized world at that point in time was the Roman government, at least throughout the Roman Empire, which was most of the civilized world. The Roman army was both a military uh, organization as well as civil police-keeping authority. So we think of our military and our police, as, and they are two separate things in our government, but in the Roman Empire, they were all part of the same group, so to speak. Paul's focus in this text has to do with... Uh, what we might call domestic or civil law enforcement. But the principles that he lays down would certainly apply to you know, military as well. I understand that. But I want to focus on the law enforcement aspect of it. And he says every soul is to submit to the governing authorities. And the reason is that they are appointed by God. To be subject to governing authorities means to obey because you were under their authority. And from what Paul says here, then to disobey the authority of civil government is in effect to disobey God. And I just want to say to you that that puts, that puts disobedience to civil law, I hope, in a whole other category for everybody who's a Christian. You might say, well, that's just, uh, you know, that's just the jaywalking law, you know, that's just a speeding Law. That's just this or that's just that. But since it is the case that God has ordained civil government, 
And since it is the case then that their laws are God's laws, to disobey civil government is to disobey God because God appointed civil authorities. And so it's unbecoming for any Christian to snub their law, to snub their nose at any human law that's rightfully approved by our government. To be subject means to obey. The exception to all of that I just said is that when human law compels you to disobey God's law. I think most of us understand this principle. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles are arrested and they're brought before the Sanhedrin Council, which is the high court of the Jews. The high court of the Jews, the Sanhedrin Council, was authorized by the Roman government to enforce Jewish law among Jewish people for non-capital offenses. And so they had wide-ranging powers that were not just religious, but civil. And uh, the apostles are brought before them, arrested in the temple in this case, after already been brought before them on a previous occasion. Now they're brought back before them. And it says in Acts chapter 5 and verse 27, when they brought them, they set them before the council. The high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. They had strictly commanded them, the governing authorities, not to do something, though, that God had told them to do. And Peter and the rest of the apostles just answered that in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. And in answering that, they, they, I think, give us an apostolic example of how we should respond. We still believe apostolic examples are binding. I know we do in this congregation. We believe that's what the Bible teaches. We've seen it over and over again. And so, an apostolic binding example tells us that when our authorities, our civil authorities, tell us to do something that's against the will of God, we don't do it. We do God's will instead. And so Peter and the apostles answer in verse 29, they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, they don't mean that as an absolute, you know, never obey men. That's not what they're saying. They're just saying we're not going to obey your authority when it conflicts with God's authority. When God has told us to do something that you're telling us not to do. And the same would be true if you are not doing something that God tells you to do. Right? So, human government has no right to forbid you from doing what God commands, nor to insist that you do what God forbids. Otherwise, without beyond that proviso, otherwise, civil law is God's law. And you see that in Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Again, Paul had said in verse 2, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Judgment will come to those who disobey. How many scriptures do we have in the Bible, most Old Testament, New Testament, that, that warn those who are disobedient to the law of God that they'll answer for that? In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14, just one of many that we could cite, but I know we realize this point. The wise man says that God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it's good or evil. So everything will be judged by the God of heaven. 
As we go on then in our text in Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4 tell us that God's intention is that rulers make people afraid to do bad things. I know I read this once, let's look at it again. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister for you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Governing authorities are to be a terror to evil doing. A terror to evil doing. People ought to be afraid to do bad things because of the authority and the power of civil government. And I'll just, I'll just tell you the truth. I think worldwide, uh, there are lots of crimes that are committed, that are pre- uh, prevented by civil authority. Sadly, there are also lots of crimes that are committed by civil authority, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And in countries, though, where authority is not strong, where there's little to fear from the civil authorities, uh, crime flourishes. It's just a fact of the matter. I've had the dubious privilege of being able to visit some of those countries. I see Jeff's here tonight. I think he has too. Uh, that's, That's the reality of it. God wants civil authority to put fear in the hearts of those who would violate the laws of God as expressed in the laws of men. The word avenge in that text is to carry out justice by punishment, even to the shedding of blood. You notice that uh, they don't bear the sword in vain. The sword is, in biblical parlance, an instrument of death. Sword wasn't used, a sword wasn't used to tickle somebody, right? A sword is used to kill somebody. And it is ever a symbol of that. There are those that uh, disagree with the concept of capital punishment. I'm sorry, but the Bible agrees with the concept of capital punishment. It is clear in this text and many others that that is a form of punishment ordained of God for extreme evildoers. But here, in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6, we might go back and learn that law enforcement protects good people from bad people by avenging evil with force. Genesis 9 and verse 6, Whoever sheds man's blood, God says, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. That is God's will in the matter. And it's interesting when we go all the way to the New Testament, we can look at lots of statements uh, relative to capital punishment, the use of force by uh, law enforcement officers. But when we go to the New Testament, in Acts chapter 25 and, and verse 11, Paul is on trial. Uh, he's before Felix. And, and he says, if I'm an offender, 25 and verse 11 of Acts, or have committed anything deserving of death, listen to this, I do not object to dying. (laughs) In other words, 
If I am I'm guilty of a crime that's punishable by death, kill me. I deserve it. I can't even object to that. And that also implies, by apostolic example, that Paul understood that there were crimes worthy of death. Right? If I've done anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. No objection there. And yet, he goes on to say, but if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. And he goes on to say, I appeal to Caesar. That also is interesting in helping us understand that Christians who may be falsely accused in a legal system have the right to make full use of any appeals process or whatever it takes to get the legal system to do the right thing. And that appealing to a judge when the judge then makes his declaration, that has to be accepted by us as well. All of this under the banner of submitting to government because we're submitting to God. Law enforcement is, as we've said here, ordained to protect good people from bad people. There are a lot of bad people in the world. God has placed law enforcement as a barrier between good people and bad people in societies. To keep the bad from just running over everybody and having their way all the time. And so when I say that we need to be thankful for law enforcement, here's what I'm saying. If we didn't have them, as chaotic as our world is sometimes, as much violence as there is, which we, we you know, decry, it would be unbearable, entirely unbearable, if we did not have this blessing of law enforcement as the barrier between the good people and the bad. We need to thank God for that. We need to thank God for that. And we need to avail ourselves of it, frankly. I had an experience, I'll just share this with you. You've probably had a lot of experiences like this. I often get asked uh, by people coming by the building or uh, at Walmart or at the gas station, as the case was the other day, for help. And some of the people, frankly, look like they might be a little dangerous. Look like, I'm not sure. But once in a while, you know, uh, you get that feeling, but nonetheless, you try to converse with them and, and try to say, well, you know, what's your need? How, how could we help you? And try to see if you can actually help them in some, some way that's, that's useful. All the while, you're trying to be safe. But I had someone come up to me the other day, abruptly, at a gas station here in town, asking me if I could help them. And my thought was, I don't know why you just approached somebody at a gas station Riding in a car, mind you, they were driving in a car and asked for help. The car seemed to be running fine. I don't know what they really wanted. But my thought was, we have a lot of wonderful policemen in Athens who would be glad to help you. <laughs> and I think that what we need to understand is, God has put our policemen here as that sort of a barrier. If, if we feel threatened, if we, if, if, you know, Something we think is about to happen, that, that's why our police are here. And if we are threatened and if we are harmed, again, that's why our police are here. And we need to avail ourselves of that blessing. 
God has placed law enforcement to protect good people from bad people. We need to understand, and I think we do, that uh, the avenger, the government official, the policeman, whoever he might be, is also subject to God's justice. They are under God's justice as well. God's avenger may suffer God's vengeance. In Jeremiah chapter 25, there's an amazing example of that related to international relations, of course. God sent Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar to destroy Jerusalem. In fact, he says in Jeremiah 25 and verse 9 that he used Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, as his servant. He calls him my servant. God, in, in destroying Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar was serving God, doing what God ordained, doing what God wanted to be done. And yet, because of the evil that was done in destroying Jerusalem, God held Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon responsible and later destroyed them. Jeremiah 20, 51 and verse 11. Make the arrows bright, gather the shields. The Lord has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes for his plan is against Babylon to destroy it because it is vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance for his temple. God took vengeance on someone he'd used to take vengeance on somebody else. I think if I were in law enforcement, I'd take note of that. I'd take note of that. That it's important to be under God's law yourself. And that you are answerable to Him yourself. Regardless of all of that, What the Bible says is that still we honor the king. Government doesn't always do what it ought to do. Law enforcement doesn't always do what it ought to do. If you've paid any attention to news stories the last decade in this land, you've got a full view of all of that. Of law enforcement not doing what they should be doing. And instead of protecting victims, sometimes making people victims. And that's a tragedy as well. Paul was well aware of that when he's writing Romans 13. In in Acts chapter 16, had not Paul been beaten and thrown in jail by civil authorities in Philippi and unjustly? Right? Hadn't he? If, if that had happened to one of us, <laughs> oh boy, you know, that would be on the nightly news from now on, right? Here's somebody just taken for free speech, essentially, and, and, and beaten within an inch of his life and, and thrown in prison by authorities that had no right to do any of that. When the multitude rose up together, against the apostles, the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods, or against Paul and and Silas. And they laid many stripes on them. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. That's what happened to Paul. Even the next day, after the jailer had been baptized, the magistrates decide they're going to let Paul and Silas go, and they just send a message saying, you guys go in peace. This is Acts 16, verses 36 and 37. But Paul said to them, 
They've beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they want to put us out secretly? No, indeed, let them come themselves and take us out. In other words, this is a travesty, it's an injustice, and according to our law, we're going to do what the law says here, and we're going to hold them accountable to do the right thing by us, having badly mistreated us the day before. But Paul experienced injustice at the hands of law enforcement. Lots. Here, obviously. Had he not witnessed the proconsul Gallio in, in Corinth, not even lift a finger when, when Sosthenes was being beaten before him in Acts chapter 18, verse 17. Paul had seen that happen. Here's a man who's supposed to be proconsul, the Roman judge of this whole area taking no notice of violence when it's occurring right in front of them. Unjust violence. And the man does nothing. Doesn't lift his finger to stop it. And as Paul wrote, writes Romans 13, to the Romans, mind you, people living in Rome, wasn't Nero one of the most inhumane rulers in human history sitting on the throne of Rome at that time? I believe that he was. Yet by inspiration of God, Paul says, you must be subject. You must be subject to the governing authorities. And the Apostle Peter, writing in the same time frame, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17, tells Christians to honor the king. Honor the king. I'll say a little bit more about that in a couple of minutes. Conscious conscience and aversion to punishment motivate our submission to government. Again, looking at verse 5 now in Romans 13, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, that, that is not only because of the wrath of God, and not only because of the wrath of the government. See, government has the right to execute vengeance, wrath as well, and then God's wrath on top of that. So do what government says, except when it violates God's law. Do what government says so you'll be doing what God says and you'll be able to avoid the wrath in both cases. So your subject, that is you obey those in authority over you in this case, not only because of wrath but also for conscience sake. What does that mean? It means it's the right thing to do. And your conscience won't bother you if you do the right thing, even if you get hurt for it. Paul's laying out a principle that is found elsewhere as well, actually many times. It's better to do right and suffer than to do wrong, to avoid suffering, but to live with an evil conscience. Be subject. Not only for wrath, but also for conscience. And then as we wind up and as Paul winds up what he has to say, in verses 6 and 7 again, he says, For this reason you also pay taxes. They're God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. They're working for God in protecting good people from bad, pe bad people in executing vengeance on those who violate law and harm others. They're working for God in doing that. And you and I pay taxes to support that. To support law enforcement. 
The, the very idea, and I've noted this in a sermon when it came up a couple of years ago, the very idea of, and, and the words defunding the police is unbiblical. Can I just say that? It is sinful. God has ordained that we pay taxes to fund the police. If this doesn't say that, it doesn't mean anything, because that's what it says. This is the reason we pay taxes. They're to be funded. Beyond that, he says, we're to give all their due. Taxes to whom taxes? Jesus was shown a coin one time. Should we pay taxes or not? He said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Customs. These are charges, uh, various uh, restrictions maybe that are placed upon us and fees that are placed upon us to do certain things. I, I don't like to pay the fees for this or that that we have to pay. You know, you have to pay a fee to the government for every last thing. Um, I don't like to do that necessarily, but it's God's will. So you do it with a smile on your face, right? Just do it. Uh, we've run into this a lot. Of course, it's all the time in America, but uh, we've run into this a lot in traveling to foreign countries and going into Zimbabwe especially. Uh, I mean, if you're taking stuff in it, it, just to give to people, you're not going to sell it, but you're giving you know, books, uh, Bible class materials and things like that. We've had to pay fees and taxes and customs on that kind of stuff going into Zimbabwe. Uh, and, and it's just nuts. You know, they'll, they'll nickel and dime you until it gets to be a, a good bit of money. Are you going to pay us this much for all of these books and this much for this projector that you're bringing in to show your Bible lessons or your computer that, you know, is your computer, but you're bringing it in. You might, so you might, you're going to have to pay taxes on that. I've had to do that a couple of times. And, and so all of these fees, I don't know. I don't like that. It's really not right that they charge for those kinds of things, but you pay it with a smile on your face. We give customs. Jesus did. Peter asked him one time, you know, do we pay taxes? Jesus said, yeah, we do. And in that he includes the idea of customs. Fear to whom fear and honor to whom honor. We fear one in the position of authority who has the power to take vengeance and punishment on God's behalf. And we honor and esteem those individuals. We give them the honor that is due them because of their position. In Acts chapter 26, I want to get back to a statement I made a few minutes ago. In Acts chapter 26, Paul is on trial before uh, Festus and Agrippa. And as he made his defense in verse 24, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Now I just want you to notice that the Roman governor of Judea has just called Paul crazy. Okay? You're a crazy man. The Roman governor of Judea. And Paul responds to him, well, you're crazy too. Right? Is that what he says? Does he use some curse word against him? Does he give him down the road? Does he insult his mama? He does none of that. You know what Paul's response to Festus was? I am not mad, most noble 
Festus. Most noble. Have you ever thought about that? (laughs) Here is a man who is holding Paul under arrest, incarcerated for basically preaching the gospel, who has on top of that just insulted him, probably in about the worst way he could in a public forum, called him a crazy man, and Paul turns to Festus and not in anger, not in disrespect, just denies what he was charged with. I am not mad, most noble Festus. Most noble. Imagine. Let's not insult police officers when they're doing their jobs. Or mayors, or governors, or presidents, congressmen, or senators. They're due this respect because they're doing God's business. Even when, even when, they may not be doing it like God wants it done. God's Word is a sharp two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And a two-edged sword cuts both ways, doesn't it? It cuts me both ways, sometimes. When I get too far this way or too far that way. Injustice by law can and should be reformed by law. Let every Christian get behind that. If we have injustice in our police force, let's get it corrected by law. But failing to to fund law enforcement, failing to respect it, taking away its ability to use lethal force, or doing away with with it altogether, must not be supported by any God-fearing person. Goes both ways. That sword. I thank you for your good attention tonight. And again, just some thoughts, and I'm sure you have your thoughts as well. I hope they're based on biblical truths about the kinds of things we're talking about tonight. I am saddened by tragedies such as the school shooting up in Nashville. I was brought to tears by it, as I'm sure many of you were, to just think of those children. It's inexpressible. But I'm thankful that God has ordained law enforcement for our good. And we need to pray for law enforcement for our good. Let us be a house of prayer for all people, for all nations. We're going to sing a song of encouragement if you're subject to it, if you're subject to the encouragement of becoming a Christian tonight or naming a sin that's in your life that you need prayers for or just asking for help. We'd be happy to help you. We'd ask you to come while we stand and sing.